0: No more chains are me, I'm totally free. Hello, Faith Family, and welcome to another edition of Totally Free. It's the radio broadcast ministry of Free to Worship Ministries, now in Midway, Florida, where Pastor Ken Colvin is our senior pastor. So today, the message for today is, where did this storm come from? Where did this storm come from? This month, we're talking about family, faith, fitness, and finance. Family, faith, fitness, and finance. So we're going to be talking about faith today. Faith, amen? Where did this storm come from? Now, myself, I'm from South Florida. I'm from South Florida, so I don't know uh, how many people have you been down here, but South Florida is a place where... If, if you're just driving around, it seems like everything is cool, the sun is out, it's shining, you're out there with your button down on, you got on your, your low-cut shoes with no socks. We started that down in South Florida, just so y'all know. We was doing that like like 40 years ago before it was cool, you know what I'm saying? We was doing that down there. Everybody else was wearing socks, we were not. Okay? Y'all got that off foot. Y'all buying. it. Amen. So, um... Everything looks good. Everything feels good. The sun's shining. And then out of the blue, a dark cloud will come out of nowhere and you'll be looking like, where that cloud come from? Ah. Mm. Where did that cloud come from? It'll come out and it'll rain super duper hard for like 15 minutes and then it'll stop. <laughs> That's South Florida for you. Where did the storm come from? You see, but today we're not going to be dealing with the natural storm. Today we're going to be talking about the storms of life. The storms of life. storms of life. Where did this storm come from? Where did this storm come from? Now, there's two ways for people to end up in the middle of a storm. There's two ways that we're going to be dealing with today. Two ways for a person to end up in the middle of a storm. Now, the first way is to walk in the perfect will of God. To walk in submission to God. Turn with me to Luke, the 8th chapter, the 22nd verse. We're going to read Luke 8, 22 through 25. And it reads, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obeyed him. Now, this is a passage of scripture that's speaking about the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to make sure that we got a full glimpse of this picture before we go in and unpack this. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, we started in the 22nd verse, and it says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. The first thing that we're going to take out of this one scripture, the first thing that we're going to take out of this scripture, Jesus got on the ship with who? With his disciples. Jesus got on the ship with his disciples. Disciples. Jesus only gets on the ship with his disciples. You never see Jesus anywhere on in the scripture on the ship with anybody other than his disciples. If Jesus is going to be on your ship, you need to be a disciple. What am I saying? Turn with me. Who's a a disciple? What do I mean by a disciple? Turn with me to John. The 8th chapter, the 31st verse. What makes someone a disciple? Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So then it's the continuing in the word of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes a person a disciple and if you are continuing in the word of Jesus Christ then when you set your ship on the waters then that means that Jesus Christ is on the boat with you. Amen. That's something that we ought to be proud about. That's something we ought to be happy about. It's a good thing to put your ship on the water if Jesus is with you. Amen. Second thing we're going to take away from this verse. It was Jesus' suggestion for them to go to the other side. It was Jesus that said, Hey guys, let's go to the other side. In fact, it wasn't a suggestion at all. It was a commandment. It was Jesus who instructed them to go to the other side. So, for in order for them to be in the will of God, then they listen to Jesus Christ. They didn't just step out on their own. Now this. Probably draws us into another question. Why is it that this person named Jesus Christ would have these people get on this boat and go out if he is Jesus Christ? If he is the son of God, if God is his father and God is in him. And if God's our mission, then Jesus Christ is our mission. Why would Jesus Christ put them in the situation to where they're getting ready to go out here and endure this storm? You see, Jesus knew exactly what was getting ready to take place. Jesus wasn't confused about the storm that was getting ready to take place. You see, if Jesus told you to get on the boat, and you're a disciple you're the one that follows Jesus Christ and you're the one who says alright you're my Lord, you're my Savior I'm going to do everything that you told me to do if Jesus told you to get on that boat Come on. Jesus yeah. knew what was going to be there once you got in the water you see we can put faith in the trip if I know that he knew what was coming Amen. you didn't find yourself in the middle of the storm for no reason, but Jesus knew that the storm was coming. He knew that when you got out there on the water that he would be on the boat with you. Yes sir. You are not out there on your own. He understands everything that comes before it gets here. He understands everything. Last thing, and they launched forth. So you have Jesus on the boat with his disciples, he tells them to go forth, let's go across the water, and the Bible says that they did what? They did exactly what he told them to do. They launched forth. You see, this is what it means to be in the will of God, to be in Christ, to hear what it is that he saved. To move when he says move and to have faith that he's going to take us exactly where it is that he wants us to go. He's going to get us there. I'm not on my own, he's with me. Amen? (laughs) Let's go to verse 23. jeopardy. As they sailed, Jesus Christ, he fell asleep. He fell asleep when the boat hit the water. And it says that the winds and stuff they begin to blow and begin to rain. And it says that water started to come into the ship. And it said that they were in jeopardy. It looked like everything was lost. It looked like Jesus Christ, maybe, maybe he missed on this one. You see, because it's easy for us to start walking this faith thing out, but you see, faith is not a sprint; it's a marathon. Come on, it's good. It's easy to start walking this race out, and then once you get halfway through it, it looks like the, the the waves are coming down and the winds are coming down and it's shaking the boat, and life looks real shaky. It looks like maybe I'm not going to make it. Not only does it look like I'm not going to make it But I don't hear him wow. I don't see him I don't see you moving in my life The way that you're supposed to You told me to come out here on this water You told me that we were going to go to the other side You said that you would never leave me You said that you were never going to forsake me And now I'm in the middle of the water And I see the wind and the waves are coming down on me And not only that, I'm looking at you. And I know who you are. I know that you're all powerful. I know that you're all knowing. I know that you can do whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you want to. This is all in my mind. They're looking at him. Do you think that Jesus didn't feel the boat moving? You think he didn't feel the waves? You think he didn't see the wind? He knew everything that was taking place while he was there sleeping. And it's easy for us in the midst of these situations to look and it can be a hindrance to our faith. Yes, sir. It can make us doubt God. It can make us wonder, does he really have a hand in my life the way that he says that he does? him sleep while all of these things are going on around them and they're feeling the physical parts of it they're feeling the real life parts of this it's easy for us to end up in those situations and those things will hinder our faith but one thing that we have to remember is even though we find ourselves in the midst of those situations, maybe he's not saying anything, maybe he's still asleep, but he's still on the boat. He's still on the boat. Yeah, sure. As long as he is on the boat, it doesn't matter. I know you see the wind. I know you see the waves. I know you see the mud running out. I know maybe you don't got no food in the cabinet. But if Jesus is on the boat, it's going to be alright. Come on. Yeah. As long as he is on your boat, it is going to be alright. Can I do it? Amen. Still on the boat. Verse 24. And it says what? It says, And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and there was a calm. What do we take away from this? The Bible says that they awoke him. It says that they awoke him. When these things finally awoke him. Now they saw him before. He was sitting there and he was asleep. They know he, he has to know that these things are taking place. He feels the water. He feels the winds. He feels the boat rocking. He sees you in the middle of your situation. But he still hasn't done anything. He still hasn't done anything. Even though these things were happening, Jesus didn't move. He was watching. And what happened? The Bible says that they awoke him. You see, when it's time for Jesus to move him, to move in the midst of your situation, how do we get him to move? Wake him up. You gotta wake him up. How did they wake him up? Prayer. Prayer. This is the part that's lacking in most of our walks. We won't pray. We don't pray. We don't pray. We get in these situations and we see things taking place around us and we're looking to everybody except for God. We're looking for everybody else to come in and move except for God. But finally, They looked and they said, all right, we've been thinking about this long enough. We need to say something. (laughs) And what did they say? Master, master, we perish. We're dying. We're dying over here. Prayer will wake Jesus up to move on your behalf. Come on, on, man. Yes, sir. Turn with me to James, the fifth chapter and the sixteenth verse. And he says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Were these men righteous? We just established that these men were in the will of God. They were doing everything that he told them to do. It was their faith that made them righteous, just like Abraham. Their faith made them righteous. The minute they got on there and started doing everything that he told them to do, they became righteous. So these were righteous men that were crying out to Jesus Christ. The effectual, fervent, Not just any kind of prayer, fervor You want to know why our prayer lines don't really work out the way that it's supposed to? They ain't fervor. We got to sprinkle a little bit of fervor on it. It got to be a little bit more fervor. I don't even know if that's a word. To be fervent. Now, you say, okay, well, Jeff, what do you mean by fervent? Fervent means passionate. A passionate prayer from a righteous man will get the job done. I'm not talking about the one that you see, you know, that the one that you see in front of the church sometimes, you know, up there in the heavens. <laughs> we know you hold the sun in your hands and you know what the moon in your armpit. You know, you gotta got all these little all these little metaphors that you like to throw out. And it looks good and it sounds good, and people are like, oh man, that brother knows how to play. Nothing happened. Not poetic, fervent. Fervent, passionate, sincere, intense prayer gets answered. You see, and that's what the storm is for. You see, because I know I got a lot of people that are saying, well, "Why do I got to go through all of this?" Because a lot of times we get comfortable in life. when things are ok boy prayer in the morning look, almost you come in there you be like thank you Jesus you get up and you be gone "Oh, pray cause everything is fine sometimes God has to shift things why because he's not trying to get us to just stay where we're at he's trying to move us to the next level He's trying to move us forward. That's what all it is is for. Why is this this storm even here for me if I'm righteous? Turn with me to Romans, the uh, fifth chapter, the third and the fourth verse. (coughs) Romans, the fifth chapter, the third and the fourth verse. And it reads, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, awesome. Knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. What is hope? By hope, he means an expected end. There's an expected end. There's something that I expect to take place, but this happens, and I learn this process through tribulation. Why? Because faith that hasn't been tried can't be trusted. If your faith hasn't been tested, then how can you trust it? It's all theoretical. Until you've been in the storm. Knowing that tribulation works patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. Now after I've gone through this, I have what? Experience. Now that I have experience with this, now I know what the expected end is going to be. I know how this is going to turn out because I've already dealt with this. Hmm. This is what it means for him to increase us and to grow us from faith to faith. From this level of faith To this level of faith. To this level of faith. So they found themselves on the water. Because they didn't know that Jesus had that kind of power. Hmm. They could believe him for certain stuff. But they didn't know that they could believe him for that. And that's where we are as Christians. There's always a next level of faith that we have to get to so god allows us to go through situations but even in the midst of those situations he's not going to let us drown he sees you yeah he knows what your bank account looks like he knows what your cabinets look like he knows the trouble that you're facing in your relationships he knows that you want your children to be saved he knows that you want your brothers and your sisters and your cousins to be saved yeah. He sees everything that's taking place but he allows you to walk through this so that you can earn faith. Learning faith in the process. We have to grow in faith. Amen? Glory to God. Why am I in this storm? Why am I in this storm? So that was the first one. The first reason is because I'm in the will of God. Why am I in this storm? See, the second reason, the second way, the second way to end up in the middle of a storm is to walk in will of disobedience to God. To walk in willful disobedience to God. To know that you have a call on your life. And to walk in willful disobedience to God. Will land you smack dab in the middle of a storm. Turn with me to Jonah. The first chapter. going to read 1 through 3. <clears throat> Second way to end up in the storm. okay? And it starts. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord and he went down to choppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish this brother went down there and found a ship okay? <laughs> so he paid he paid his money too he paid the fare thereof and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish From the presence of the Lord. So you say, okay, well, Jeff, what is going on here? What is going on here? You see, Jonah was not somebody who was unfamiliar with who the Lord was. Jonah knew who the Lord was. There was a call on Jonah's life. And God told Jonah, he said, all right, listen. I need you to go down in the middle, and I need you to go, and you need to preach to them. And when you preach to them, you know, I want you to try to make them repent. And the preaching of the word of the Lord. There was a call on his life. And God told him to go down and to do this. Now, why would God tell him to do this? Because he said, how would they hear without a preacher? He wanted these people to repent. How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach except they be sent? So he was a preacher and he was sent to go to these people and to let them know, hey, listen, you guys got to stop doing the stuff that you're doing. Nineveh was a, uh, it was bad. Nineveh was bad. Okay, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It was founded by Nimrod with his evil self. So God wanted Jonah to go over to Nineveh and to preach to them and to tell them, all right, you guys gotta um you guys gotta stop what you're doing. So now he does what? He goes and he gets on a ship. Here we go with this ship again. But the ship that he gets on, Jesus is not on the ship. Not only is Jesus not on the ship, but his disciples are not on the ship. In fact, if we're going to be technical about it, the people that he was on the ship with, all of them were pagans. People who didn't know who God was. You see, when we flee from the presence of the Lord, a lot of times we flee with people who don't know who God is. We surround ourselves with people who don't know who God is. Come on. That's good. And fled from the presence of the Lord. Now the Bible says that when Jonah got on the boat with these people, and these people, listen, these people were sailors. These people knew how to read the weather. These people weren't stupid. Okay, I mean, for some reason I think that we assume that, you know, just because we got weather channel today and they didn't have it back then, that they didn't know when the rain was coming. They knew. They knew. So they get on this boat, and they're on the boat with Jonah, and the Bible says that a great wind, there was a storm that came out of nowhere, unexpected around and they're trying to figure out why are these things happening? Like, what is going on? So much so that they knew it was supernatural and every last one of them started to call on their God. Needless to say, nothing happened. Because the God that they called themselves serving didn't have control over the wind and the waves. You see, if you want somebody to have control over the wind and the waves, Jesus is going to have to be on your boat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody can't do that. But they knew that there was something that was going on. So these people turned around and they're trying to figure out what's going on. So then while all of them are sitting there praying to their God, they look over and they see Jonah sleeping on the boat. (laughs) You see, when the disciples found themselves in the same situation, they turned to Jesus. And Jesus came in and he called the storm. But when people who don't know Jesus find themselves in the same situation, they have to turn to somebody who knows him. But the problem that they were having is the guy that could fix this was on the boat and he was fast asleep. Fast asleep. You see, the people who need to know the God that we serve, even those people are dependent on the gift that is on on the inside of you and I. They're all dependent on the gift that's inside you and I. But when we run from the presence of the Lord, there's a spiritual sleep that's on us that keeps us from being able to help these people for that alright. And not only that, but now their lives are in danger. They need help. They're calling on their gods, and their gods aren't an answering. Mm-hmm. And they look over and they see Jonah over there sleeping. And there's probably mad. They probably came over there and kicked him. Hey, arise, old sleeper! Get up! What are you doing? You don't feel this rain, you don't feel the water, you don't feel the boat about to break. So Jonah gets up and he tells the people, he said, all right, listen, all right, this is happening because of me. Now, if you guys want to fix this, you guys are going to have to toss me over. They don't want to toss them over. They don't want to toss them off the ship. So what do they do? They said, all right, man, now listen, we're not going to do that. You know, we don't want to put your blood on our hands. We'll go over here and we'll cast some lots, you know, and whoever whoever the lot that was on, then you know that person got to go. Jonah probably it over there watching. <laughs> <laughs> he already knew he was getting off that ship. The lot fell on Jonah. They grabbed Jonah. They throw Jonah over the, over the side of the ship. And what happened? The storm calms down. And it looks like it's the end for Jonah. It looks like it's the end. I can imagine They threw him over the Shamin bed. Somebody throw you throw you over the rail in the middle of the ocean. I don't know if y'all ever been in the middle of the ocean. That's, that's, that's dark. That's dark. Yeah. Man, that's dark. To where you can't see the end, you can't see the coast. You're just going over the end and you just hit that, that water and nowhere to And it looks like it's the end for Jonah. Why? Because he ended up on the wrong ship. Jesus Christ was not on the ship. And he ended up getting tossed over. But how many people out there know that we serve a loving and a merciful God? You see, even though he was running, and he was not on a ship that would be able to take him where it is that God wanted him to go, Jesus was not on that ship. But as soon as he hit that water, guess what? Jesus was in the belly of the whale, waiting on him. (laughs) What's <laughs> said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward where? toward thy holy temple. Mm. Man, I put myself in this bad situation, but you know what? You spared me, and I'm out of your sight right now, but listen, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to look to your holy temple. Sometimes it takes us going all the way to the bottom Mm -hmm. to end up in the belly of the well before we're able to repent. Mm. Come on. I know it was that way for me, Man, I know it was that way for me. I cried out from the belly of the whale. Uh, Smelling like liquor and weed. Sometimes that's what it takes. But Jesus is waiting even in the belly of the whale for the person that wants to turn around. We serve a loving God. Exactly. You see? So then the second way that we end up in the middle of the storm is self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. It's a storm that I brought on myself. I put myself in this storm. But just because I end up in the belly of the world doesn't mean that there's no way back for me. Come on, now. Storms are designed to do the exact same thing. I mean, you think about it, it's the same situation. You got two storms, same body of water, the same wind, two different groups of people. But the storm is designed to do the same thing for both groups of people. You see, it's God that's sitting in the storm reconciling people to himself and drawing them closer. Whether they are perfect or whether they don't got anything right. It's all working together for the good of each and every one of us. You see, it's not my perfection that makes me go. My righteousness before God is nothing. I can't be righteous before God. I'll drop the ball every time. Every time I try to get it right, I'll get it wrong. I am dependent on the grace of God. And I go back to him, and I talk to him, about giving me more grace to get me past the things that I struggle with. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's not self-righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. The only thing that I have to do is die. Hmm. And that's where we all struggle. That's where we all struggle. So then the storm as you stand your feet all over the building is not to compare you, it's to draw you closer. It's to draw you closer. Whatever it is that you might be going through, God sees you, God knows, God understands. God is not impressed with with, where anybody is, myself included. God does not look at the person that's all the way on the bottom like you're too far away that he can't reach you. God can reach anybody. There's no person. I don't care you bring the nastiest, foulest, foulest person in here. God can change that person to make him do exactly what he created him to do. You see, the only thing that he wants is a commitment. He just wants you to commit. A lot of people they're looking there and say, okay, well, you know, um, and I've had people tell me this before, you know what? I want to come to Jesus Christ, but um, I got some stuff that I'm still dealing with and I don't want to play with God. So I'm going to wait until I get these things fixed. And then once I get these things fixed, then I'll go ahead and I'll come to God. You see, if we can fix ourselves, then we don't need to come to God. The reason that I come is because I need to be fixed. At yeah. this time, I'm gonna open up the I'm gonna open up the altar. Maybe you're saying, okay, Jeff, hey, listen man, I'm dealing with some stuff. And you know, I walked away. Or I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever even heard of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the first time that you've been to church. No judgment. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to help you get where it is that you need to go. Because one thing about problems in life, they don't just disappear. You see, a lot of times there's things inside of us that lead us. To certain situations. Things that are preventable. And a lot of times we don't understand these things until it's too late. And we surround ourselves with people that give us wrong ideas and bad influences. The altar is open. Jesus wants your heart. Or maybe you're saying, "Hey, listen, I, I had a relationship with God, but I, I fell away. I fell away a little bit, and, and I want to, uh, I want to, I just want to renew. And I want to touch base with some some people at the church, and uh, you know, just just try to try to work my way back. The altar is open. No judgment." you enjoyed today's message and invite you to fellowship with us at our new location. That's 32319 Blue Star Memorial Highway in Midway, Florida, 32343 where God wants to meet you midway. Until next time, Faith Family, be blessed and remember, in Christ you are totally free. No more chains are binding me I'm totally free